everyone. This is Coach Kathy Richardson, and this is another episode of Cat Chats, the podcast about all things bariatric, weight loss, fasting, and more. I've lost 150 pounds, and I'm here to help you meet and maintain your weight loss goals, too. And today, I want to talk about, I like having lists, like the top 10, and and this is going to be another list. This is going to be the top 10 things that nobody ever told me about my bariatric surgery. And I guess what inspired me to do this was there's so many YouTube videos out there about top 10 things and people are like whether they could use straws or, you know, when they could drink from a cup or when they could eat salad again. And I, maybe I'm a little bit deeper of a person, but my, my things that I wish I knew went a little deeper than straws and, and gum and cups and salad. So let's just get to it. So the first thing that I wish somebody would have told me, and maybe I should have called this like the top 10 biggest lies about bariatric surgery. I don't know. But one thing I was definitely told that is definitely not true was that I would never get hungry again. And that is absolutely not true. I think I was hungry like the second day after surgery. And there's head hunger, and then there's actual physical hungry, hunger, there's hormonal hunger, there's all kinds of hunger that we're going to experience. But if you are a pre-op or if you're even considering bariatric surgery, just know that hunger never goes away forever. That is not true. And the sooner that you learn that you're going to have to deal with hunger again, the better off you're going to be. There's no point in lying to patients and telling them that like, you'll never be hungry again. Okay. I was legit told that you will never be hungry again. It's just not true. You're going to experience hunger again. It will be reduced. Certainly the first six months after surgery, you know, the portion of the stomach that's removed during the VSG surgery or even the portion that is uh, manipulated during gastric sleeve or sorry, gastric bypass, or Sadie, or duodenal switch. Um, Yeah, that definitely does affect the ghrelin hormone production, which is the ghrelin gremlin is the one that tells us that they're hungry. That's going to be affected. To think that you will never, ever, ever be hungry again is just not true. So number two, and kind of along that lines, is that you're going to be able to eat whatever you want, just eat a little bit less. This actually Ease me off a little bit. Try not to swear for all of you. This bugs me when I hear this. It's just not true. Insulin is still going to get spiked based on what your food choices are. Fat is still going to come into play. Calories are still going to come into play. And 200 calories of salmon and 200 calories of a Snickers bar are just not the same thing. And so if you think that you can just maintain a certain caloric load, but within that caloric load, whatever you want to, and you're never going to have to think about nutrition or your weight ever again, it's just not true. It's a big lie, big lie, big red flag. If you hear that, start questioning people. The third thing I wish somebody would have told me, and it really doesn't get talked about a lot because I think coming from a former, I'm still currently a hairstylist, but I'm not a practicing hairstylist, but I do have my uh, esthetician degree and I do have my hairstylist degree, but we don't talk about hair loss enough. I've done a whole YouTube video on hair loss already on my YouTube channel, Down 150 Pounds with Coach Kathy. If you haven't checked that out yet, go ahead and check it out. But 
we are kind of told that like it might happen for some people and it happens around four months. It only lasts a couple of months and then it'll grow back and you're fine. Okay. That's not true. Number one, it's not going to happen for everybody. Number two, it can happen quite severely for some people. Number three, it's not like it happens once and then it's like a one and done thing. This could be a continual problem for people. And it doesn't even mean that they're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that they've lost too much weight or not lost enough weight. It doesn't mean that they're not taking the right supplements. I mean, those those things can certainly affect telogen effluvium. But don't go into this thinking that, A, you're never going to lose hair or B, you're going to lose all your hair or C, it's just going to happen once and you'll never have to deal with it again. I'm actually experiencing probably my third very significant fallout since having bariatric surgery over two years ago. And my labs are awesome. My nutrition is darn near impeccable and it's still happening. So and I have a friend who had bypass and she's like 13 years out and she still suffers with telogen effluvium from time to time. So let's just not lie to people and have them think that this is just a one and done deal. Number four, something that I was absolutely never told about, and I really am just kind of doing the deep dive into it, is that, you know, even years and years and years down the road, you can still have complications from your bariatric surgery. I was never told that. That just wasn't even thing that was discussed during my pre-op and questions and concerns. And really, like when you talk about complications, the two that are going to come up is number one, complications that could happen during your initial surgery, like, you know, throwing a clot or something or them nicking the liver or having a bleed. And then the other complication that gets talked about is like, okay, if you have sleeve, you might have to be converted to bypass later because you can have complications with your sleeve, which is true. You know, some people have reflux worse after surgery. That actually happens with 30% of all VSG patients. But, you know, things like stomach twisting, bowel twisting, there's a bunch of things that can go wrong later. Even cholelithiasis, you know, needing a cholecystectomy, your your gallbladder can have issues, your pancreas can have issues. But um, I think with the death of Lisa Marie Presley and her post-op bariatric complications, that kind of opened up the conversation to this. Rare Yes, absolutely. Does it still happen? Yes, absolutely. Did it happen even a decade or more later? Yes, absolutely. So let's just not not have those conversations. Okay, number five, moving on to something a little less sciencey and a little more emotional, but this is a big one. People are going to treat you very differently along this journey of losing weight. This is no doubt true, whether you have bariatric surgery, whether you lose weight on your own, whether it's through Weight Watchers or Noom or whatever. If you're going to be losing a significant amount of weight, just know right now and be comfortable with it. That's going to bring out a lot of emotions in people. It's going to bring out a lot of emotions in you. How you even talk about yourself is really going to change. And if you're kind of like me and used um, humor to deal with your obesity, then there's going to come a time when, you know, Lord willing, that you're no longer obese anymore. 
And that, you know, people are going to start looking at you pretty weird if you keep making fat jokes about yourself. I used to joke and say, you know, God didn't let me be thin because he knew what I'd wear. Or, you know, I just, I had a myriad of one-liners that I would just fire off about being obese and overweight. And there came a time when people started looking at me like, she's got disordered eating or something if you, if you keep referring to yourself as the fat person. And also... Some people are used to you being the deaf, the designated ugly fat friend, or just, you know, you always being fat. And some people are comfortable with you being fat and overweight. And then when you're not, that really makes them uncomfortable. It's going to cause people as you get healthier and they remain healthy, it's going to make them uncomfortable with their food choices, with their clothing choices, um, with your food choices. And even if you don't, Talk about it with them just by default. Their observations about how you're changing, what and how you eat, they somehow project it onto themselves. And they think like, well, geez, Kathy's eating like that and now she's thin. So maybe I should be doing that. You know, it really, people are going to wig out on you. You might wig out on yourself. So just know that this absolutely for the rest of your life is going to change somehow the majority of your relationships. And guys, bariatric marriages, 70% of them end in divorce. That is a crazy statistic to me. I feel very blessed that I have a very supportive husband and, you know, he hasn't felt threatened by my weight loss. He hasn't felt like default that he's got to lose a bunch of weight now because I did. That, that really does happen. And it's kind of inevitable that you, well, for me, for example, I've lost 150 pounds course that's going to change me a little bit. And I hope so, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. I did this because I wanted change in my life. I did this because I wanted to be a healthy person. And healthy people have habits that look very different than unhealthy people. But just know, immediate family members, friends, best friends, acquaintances, and so on, things are going to change. So just go into this knowing that and knowing that you're going to change too. Number six, a little bit on that. If you flip your toe into the social media world at all, and guys, I did. Um, maybe the reason why I felt the need to make today's podcast slash video and even to become a bariatric slash weight loss coach and, and have this channel is because I didn't have a lot of support from my team and it's no fault of their own. Some of you guys know I'm in Canada. We have socialized medicine. It means everybody's overworked, understaffed, behind by years, and they're just trying to help as many people as they can, as quickly as they can, as best they can with what time they can have. That means they don't actually have a lot of time. I've actually been kind of jealous in uh, when I dipped my toe into the social media aspect of the bariatric world because I was looking for help and assistance. Um, I was very alone and I needed Kathy. And so I'm trying to be that Kathy for other people who need me because I didn't have that when I was going through all of this. But anyways, um, I was searching for information and for help and for just other people's experiences. I really wanted to see what this looked like for everybody else who had gone before me. And now that I've gone through this, I'm trying to be there for those who will go through this now and in the future. But 
Unfortunately, and if you watched my last video, you might know what I'm getting at. That can get ugly too. What should be a very supportive community can sometimes turn into a very ugly community. And really, unfortunately, if you're very successful, not everybody's going to be happy for you. Bariatric surgery is an awesome tool, but it's not a perfect tool. Not everybody makes it to their goal weight or their finish line or their surgeon's goal weight for them. You know, obesity is a multifaceted disease and it requires multifaceted approaches to combat it. And bariatric surgery is just part of that. For most, it's going to take more than just bariatric surgery. And it certainly did for me where I've been implementing intermittent fasting and even semaglutide. Uh, I have an adrenal tumor that's overactive. And so I need to take 25 milligrams of Ozempic to help keep that in check as part of my maintenance. And that's fine. But that alone, just saying the O word can really drive people crazy. Saying the F word, and I don't mean the F bomb, but I'm talking fasting can really trigger some people. And if you are successful when you're going on those pages, you still need support too. Not everybody wants to support you because they're going to look at you like, okay, you're thin. What are you doing here? Jealousy within the bariatric community is very real. And I'd say it's even heightened because it has such a, I don't want to say low success rate, but it doesn't have a perfect success rate. And nobody's journey is perfect. Mine, least of all. Having said that though, because when people look at me now and I'm not obese and I'm still on there asking questions and talking about things, some people make me feel like I don't belong there anymore. And some people are outright just mean and jealous and, and that's not okay. So bariatric community, let's do better, number one. Number two, just know if you're going into this, that if you are successful, not everybody's going to be happy about that. And that's really sad. Number seven, your obesity forever changes your body. I didn't know that. I didn't know that when you become obese, you always have the disease of obesity, even if your body is not obese looking anymore. This changes you on a cellular level. It changes your fat cells permanently. It changes your blood vessels permanently. It changes your internal organs permanently. You can never an obese, an obese body. And every future surgery you have is going to put you at greater risk because your blood vessels all got greatly enlarged to compensate for the extra blood flow that they needed when you were obese. You know, that's just, it doesn't mean you can't ever have surgery again. Certainly not. But it does mean that your insides are forever changed. I didn't know that just how much things do change because of being obese. And I just wish that was conversation that somebody could talk to you about and it doesn't get talked about. Nobody talks to you about things like what happens with rapid fat loss to like even your tailbone. You know, I suffer with horrific tailbone pain and still have to sit on like one of those little donut things like people have after having like hemorrhoid surgery. And you know, that's just a it's still worth it. I don't regret it. I don't mean for all of these things to come across as negative. They're just kind of like things I feel like I needed to get off my chest and maybe let those who haven't gone yet know what they're getting into. But yes, your body changes forever. Even if you become obese again, um, it's just never the same. So there's no going back to how things were once you've been obese. And I think that needs to be talked about more.
Number eight is probably my biggest pet peeve, and, and there are a few. This one drives me bonkers, and it's that nobody talks about what to do once you've reached your goal weight as far as your calories from here on out. You know, you can't stay at 600 calories a day forever. You can't stay at 800 calories a day forever. Like I've seen several nutritionists and not one has ever given me the same advice on what to do for maintenance for life. And, you know, thankfully I do have a degree and I did become a weight loss coach and I know how to figure out your total daily energy expenditure and your basal metabolic rate. And, you know, I can figure that stuff out. Most people can't, most people don't even know they should. They don't even know what their BMR is. They don't know what it means to maintain or to be in a surplus or to be in a caloric deficit. Um, this is where I find the bariatric community with post-ops is lacking the most. There's so much attention to new post-ops as there should be. You need to keep people alive. You need to keep their protein up. You need to keep them from wasting muscle mass. You know, these things are very important. However, the rest of your life still matters too. And success isn't just a number on the scale. And wellness and wholeness all very much matter. And, you know, we're not taught how to slowly increase calories so that you can still maintain your weight not burn out and blow out your metabolism forever. There are people I see every single day in these multiple social media groups, people who are two, three, four years post-op and they're scared to eat over 900 calories or a thousand. And when they do, they start gaining because they, they're, they've trained their body to exist and maintain at 900 calories. That is not healthy guys, unless you're like four foot two or something. You know, um, this is something, dietitians, if you're listening, let's talk about reverse dieting more for post-ops once they've maintained and met their goal weight or teach people how to maintain their goal weight and how to slowly pump up those calories in a healthy manner again that is not going to cause weight gain or significant weight gain. And on that note, number nine, I wish somebody would have told me how much on my own I was going to be during this. And it didn't happen. It's unfortunate, but it should have happened. And that's what led me to, again, Kathy out there into the universe so that other people were going to need a Kathy. I understand that supports are low, but we need to make sure that they're still there. So let's do better with that. And number 10, I do wish somebody would have been really honest with how big the failure rate for bariatric surgery is. Because it's up there, you know, it's more than 50%, it's more than 60%. After that, it's going to depend on the individual's starting BMI. It's going to depend on what surgery they had. There are a ton of variables, but it is not talked about. It wasn't for me anyway, sitting in that surgeon's office when you're asking all the questions, what the failure rate is. And I think that's important going into it. We would want to know before we had open heart surgery or other permanent surgeries done to our body the success rate is and what the failure rate is. And that conversation really doesn't happen a lot. And I think to truly make a proper informed decision, you need to know that before you decide to have 70 or 80% of your internal organ of your stomach cut out. So having said that, again, I don't mean this to be negative. It just is frustrating. However, knowing all of these things, or should I say not having known all of these things and still going through with it, do I regret it? No way. 
Not at all. Bariatric surgery isn't going anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon, and rightfully so. When we've got 75% of North Americans being classified as obese or morbidly obese, you know, we've even gone past the overweight category now. Uh, Obesity-related diseases, heart disease is the number one killer, and that's directly related to uh, diet and lifestyle. This is a surgery that needs to keep happening. These are conversations that need to keep happening too. So I don't regret it at all. Just wish I knew some of these things beforehand. And uh, let's keep this conversation going. If there's some other top 10 lists that you want to know about, let's, let me know in the comments down below. Um, if you're considering bariatric surgery and you have other questions that you want addressed by me, please let me know. And if you're not a bariatric and you happen to have listened to this podcast today, it still applies if you're on your weight loss journey. So many of these things still apply because, you know, Lord willing, you're still going to get to your goal weight even if you don't have bariatric surgery and you're going to need to know what to do after. You're going to need to know that hair loss can happen for you too. You're going to need to know what happens when you get hungry. You're going to need to know how to navigate how people are going to treat you differently. So, you know, is just one way to skin the cat of weight loss. There are many. So this absolutely still applies to you too. So I hope this gave you something to chew on and I hope you tune in for the next cat chat and we'll talk to you soon.